Welcome to Vineyard Church Dungannon, a place where lives are being changed. The following message was given at one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk. You're unique. Did you know that? You're unique. You're unique. You're unique. You're unique. Each and every one of you are unique. You're a unique, unique combination of the genes he inherited from your mother and your father. Combined with all the things that have ever happened to you, all your experiences, your unique style that you hear, see, experience, experiences and situations. The way you interpret all these things, all these things come together and combine to make you a unique individual. How you think and behave. You're more than one in a million. You're not just one in a million. You're unique. That's my breathing through my nose that's making that noise. Just to confirm that, right? I do have quite a nasal... <laughs> Sorry, your appearance is also unique. No two faces on earth are the same. Your face is different from everyone else's. Eight billion people on this planet and no two faces are alike. You're unique. Now, although no two faces are alike, sometimes there are real strong similarities. <laughs> right? right, you can see Bruce on the right there, right? Who looks quite a bit like me, but, but trust me, we're actually unique. Yeah? If you don't know Bruce, you missed out on something, but so, Bruce is unique. So, out of 8 billion people, you look different. God doesn't do copies. God doesn't do clones. Human beings do clones. We're, we're into replicants, copying, making things the same. Sometimes, but God doesn't do copies. There's no two leaves on any tree the same. There's no two trees the same. How many trees are there? Don't know. But it's, it's quite astounding. It's quite amazing if you think about th th this. these differences. The no two things are identical. And there's, I could list a whole lot more. And, and you're not only unique, but you're also a miracle. It's a Scottish miracle, right? Which is big R in there. You're a, it's a miracle that you're alive. It's a miracle that you've been born. Every single person in this room is a wonder of survival. Your parents, their parents, their parents, and so on, for as long as mankind have been about, have managed to survive diseases, plagues, wars, disasters, dinosaurs, not dinosaurs, illnesses, accidents, volcanic eruptions, and the buses on the road. All of these things have been survived by your ancestors or recovered from just so that you could be born. We're all really jammy when it comes down to it. Jammy, strawberry jam. So, slide two. A lady called Mel Robbins, who is a self-help lady, this was from 2011. She reckoned 
she was quoting someone else. The odds of your ancestors surviving so that you could be here today are one in 400 trillion. Quite, quite a high number. Um, you're a billion times more likely to win the lottery than be alive. Right. And more recently, a guy called Dr. Al Benazir, he, he works at Harvard. And, they, and they've come out with, with this number. The probability of your lineage remaining unbroken for the length of human existence is one in an unpronounceable number. There's 45 zeros in that. And he actually goes on and makes it even crazier. But basically, it's almost impossible that you're here today. Right? It's almost impossible that you've been born. And that's why I feel comfortable enough saying this, that you're a miracle. It's about a miracle that you're here. And, and when I reflect on your uniqueness and my uniqueness, and, and these figures, they're so big that it just it fills me with a sense of wonder. How amazing is this? How awesome is this? And today's talk is about wonder. Jesus, you're wonderful. The things that you've done are amazing. The lives that you've given us are fantastic, Lord. We really appreciate it. Would you fill us this morning with a sense of wonder about you, about who you are and how awesome, how powerful, how great you are, Jesus. Would you do that? So my name's Davy. if you didn't know. I'm part of the family here at VCD. I'm married to lovely Anne, sitting in the back there, cringing slightly. Um... And I've been asked to continue in the Book of Mark. But we're doing a series in the Book of Mark. And um, I was invited by Matt. Matt gave me some instructions of what to talk about this week. But <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but there was a bit of communication difficulty, which I'll confess some of that probably lies on my side. Sometimes I like things to be really clear. Anyway, so we're doing something slightly different. It's still on mark, so we're not too far away. Two weeks ago, Jason started the series, and he inspired us, he encouraged us to be, to be the solution, to be a solution, wherever we are. To bring the kingdom of God, to bring life. I'll be better if I take them off, I can see. And to reimagine our lives to help us do that. Jason explained that we get the courage and the ability to do this from God. Not from us, but from God. Because God is always close. He's always there. He works in us, through us. It's a partnership between God and us via his spirit. D during that service, there was a prophetic word about false starts, about a sense, a feeling of out of control that things are not going the way I expected them to go, we had planned for them to go and the, the word that was given was, is there a need to reevaluate? just to consider where you're heading from God's perspective so th this is the partnership thing um, and, and I don't know if you've been doing that, if it means anything to you, I just thought it was worthwhile reminding you I think it fits still with what we're talking about 
Last week, Mark continued the series. He described how God's voice brings us a sense of identity and knowledge that we're loved. It's a gift from God to us. And again, a sense of identity and a reassurance that we're loved gives us some perspective on our lives and on how we act in this world. And Mark reminded us that this gift can't be earned. It's no charge. And there's no expectation from God on us to do anything once we've received that gift. There's no expectation. Hard to accept that. God still loves us. He still gives us identity. And when asked to speak, Mark, sorry, um, I reread the book of Mark, and as I was reading it, what I noticed was Mark's sense of wonder in his book. His sense of wonder reminded me of how I feel with some of the things I talked about earlier, but this incredible, vast, unique way that God creates us and, and other things. And it and it's the same similar sense of wonder that I feel when I look at the earth. Just how amazing this place, this rock that we stand on is. So I've got a few photos of some of my holiday snaps here. Just so you can see some pictures of this planet, yeah. You might notice I'm swimming just over in the top left-hand corner there, right? Just jumping off the falls, that was me. Yep, that's the coral reef, the barrier reef, yep. Nevada, a wee hill, yep, yep. Quite like that one, it's nice, and I've never seen it personally. And I would say it, but I'm scared to get it wrong. Then, this is an amazing planet we live on. And, and we're so fortunate to be alive today that we, get, we can look at thousands, probably millions of images of this planet. It's not, it's not so long ago when people had to go to the library and read a book about it and they they would visualise it themselves. They might get a, a, a picture. They might, they might re remember a phrase of the seven wonders of the world. But we now know that there's, there's more than seven. There's quite a lot of wonders of the world, both in the big sense of the planet and in the small sense. You know, like insects, creatures, some of the, the nature stuff that we see in telly, the, the video, the Footage. It's, it's amazing. We're really fortunate that we can see this. <coughs> Excuse me. A guy called Carl Sagan, which you'll only know that name if you're of a certain age, he said in the 90s that we live in a hunk of rock and metal that circles a star that's one of 400 billion other stars that make up the Milky Way galaxy. What's this got to do with the Book of Mark, you're thinking? That galaxy is one of billions of other galaxies which make up a universe which may be one of a large number of universes. Now, Carl Sagan was about a while ago. He was a TV personality. He was an astron astronomer, an astrophysicist. He was a clever guy. He knew his stuff. 
these days, Brian Cox is, if you've known Brian Cox, anybody seen Brian Cox on the telly? He's quite a charming guy, but with me, looks like me a wee bit, but not much. Um, he's he, he's the, the Carl Sagan of the current day. And I'm not sure I agree with Carl's statement of the hunk of rock, you know, like, it's not a hunk of rock we live on. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So, but maybe he didn't have all these photos that we get. So maybe he didn't see all this, right? His comments in space were pretty good, though. I quite liked his comments in space and a few slides of where I'd like to go one day, right? Just some of this vastness and awesomeness and beauty. Look at that. Just look at it and look at that. <laughs> it's amazing, it's awesome, it's huge, it's vast. And why am I talking about this? Because Jesus, Jesus made this. Jesus made all of this for the tiny, for the micro, for the quantum level, to the universe or universes or whatever. Jesus made all this. Jesus is awesome beyond what we can save, what we can see. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. All of this was made by Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I kind of feel a wee bit slightly overwhelmed maybe, but Certainly humbled about who this Jesus is. It wasn't just the guy with the robes on in Nazareth in Jerusalem. It wasn't just who some of the songs we sing about his love. He's he's so vast. And, and sometimes that sense of vastness, awesomeness, wonder can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming for me. I can get to a place where it's too big, it's too much. Jesus, you're too big, you're too much. And and like other human beings, I'm a human being as well, just didn't know, me and Bruce. <laughs> and when we're faced with overwhelming, when we're faced with things that are so vast and so big and so incredible, it can, it can be a bit scary. It can be a bit scary. Jesus, his power and majesty leads us into wonder and sometimes we call that the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Acknowledging that Jesus is wow, too big. No words for it. Sometimes the fear of God has been used as a threat or a stick to cause good behaviour. You know, look how this big guy's watching you all the time. He knows everything. And and it's understandable how we might feel uh, we might feel fear, generalised fear when we think about God. Until we we read and we understand and we pray and we get to know what he's actually like, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's light. God is love, God is light, in him there's no darkness at all. He chooses mercy over judgment and he asks us to live in love. 
there's a balance between this awesome, awesomeness and the fact that he loves us. It's the only way that I can reconcile. I don't want to run away and hide, put my head under the covers and hide for God because he's actually a God of love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them and you. And this is how he made his love complete among us, so that we'll have a confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. God's not about punishment. No matter how vast, powerful, awesome he is. And we're getting to the book of Mark soon, honest. So, so the book of Mark shows us, describes in great detail, the power and the wonder of Jesus. And it, it also balances it with Jesus' humility, mercy, compassion, and his love. It has a full picture of who Jesus is. It can stabilize us, it can reassure us, it can guide us, inspire us to a sense of purpose in life. Like what Jesus was talking about, like what Matt was talking about. I'm focused today on the wonder. And here's a wee bit of history. Uh, in AD, between AD 54 and 68, during the reign of Augustus Nero, who you've probably heard, good old Nero, it was a killing time in Rome. The church was experiencing a holocaust. Many believers had been burned alive. Peter and Paul had been executed. And Mark's book appeared not long after this that set of circumstances. Peter was one of Mark's best pals, mates, I don't know. Peter was the voice behind a lot of Mark's book. So Peter speak, Mark's speaking into a church who's experiencing this. And the church, since Jesus had died and risen, had mostly come to terms with the fact that Jesus, their Messiah, their King, their Rescuer, didn't come to kill and destroy their enemies, didn't come to slaughter and lead in that kind of power. They'd come to terms with that, but they came to show them how to live, how to bring the kingdom of God, how to live this life of love. But right then, right now, at that time, folk were dying, their mates were dying. Nero was killing them. Nero was saying, I'm God. And he was killing the church. He was trying to destroy the church. How do you think the church were feeling about that? If somebody down the road was burning and killing Christians, would I be here today? Maybe not. I might be saying Christians. Oh, I don't know anything about them. I might be staying in the house. I might feel isolated. I might feel fearful. Keep my head down. I might hide, run. I might be denying my faith. I might be avoiding anybody I could. And this was happening in Rome, but if you remember, Rome was the world then, right? The city was the city, but Rome. So what Nero said went. So if he was um, abusing and killing Christians, you could be certain that harmed a 
across his kingdom. Mark's book speaks into this. Mark wasn't a John and Paul. He didn't use a lot of clever words to articulate, teach and rationalize who Jesus is, expound theories about Christ and his deity. He had the stories. He had the stories that Peter told him. And he focuses his book around the truth and the wonders of Jesus. And there's one or two wonders that Mark mentions in his books. God speaks audibly and calls Jesus his son. A possessed man set free. Simon's mother-in-law is healed. A leper's healed. A paralyzed man is healed. A shriveled hand is restored. Spirits fall down and say audibly that Jesus is the son of God. The wind and the waves are stilled. Another possessed man set free. A woman's bleeding for years and years is stopped. A little girl's raised from the dead. Five thousand are fed miraculously. Jesus walks on water. All who touch Jesus are healed. A possessed girl is set free. A deaf mute man is healed. 4,000 are fed miraculously. A blind man is healed. Jesus is transfigured along with Elijah and Moses, or Elijah and Moses, I'm not sure which way around it was. A deaf mute boy is healed. And last but not least, Jesus rises for the dead. Mark focuses his books round about these wonders, which the church at the time will have heard. Some of them, most of them, all of them. I don't know, but Mark's boom. He's got them all there. And, and what do you think he's saying to the church? What's Mark saying to the church? He's saying, I think, that Jesus is God. It's not Nero. Jesus is God. He's saying to them, you're not wasting your life. You're not wasting your life serving, being humble, showing love and compassion, living a life of love, loving your enemies. It's not a waste. You're spending your very lives doing the things that God's asking you to do. God showed you how you do. He doesn't mention any rescue plan from Nero. There's, there's no... Don't worry, we're sending reinforcements. We're sending 400 tanks to, to help you. The focus is all on Jesus. It's just in Jesus. It's in Jesus, his wonders, his godhood, and his teaching. So how do you think the church at the time received that? Yay! Or, oh no. <laughs> or, we'd rather have the tanks. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But but when you read the book of Mark, you can hear what Mark's saying to the church today. He's still saying the same thing, that Jesus is God. It's not man. It's not Putin. It's not Boris. It's not Donald. It's not China. It's not COVID. It's not oil barns. It's not money. It's not sickness. Not climate change. Not pain. Not fear. And it's not death. These things are not God. Jesus is God. 
Jesus is always close. Jesus gives us our unique identity and he loves us. Good news. Good news. How do we receive that? That's part of what this series is about, reminding us how we receive that. How can we live that? And, and today's seriously just a reminder of how awesome God is. God is God. Jesus is God. We're here because of God. He's an amazing God. That list of things is amazing. The earth's amazing. Your uniqueness is incredible. You're a miracle. Now, everybody has troubles. Everybody suffers to some degree. Everybody worries about something. And most of us cope most of the time. I cope mostly by avoidance and deflection. Is that right, Mrs? Yep. Yep. Favourite coping strategies are mine. I'll shout out your cope, but one of the things that, that alarms me is when I wake up in the morning, reach my phone and look at the news, right? Why did I do it? But I look at the news and specifically one of the things that alarms me and I become increasingly alarmed about is the state of this planet. This beautiful earth. And I'm a bit scared that Carl Sagan might be proved right that this will become a, a lump of rock and iron. I believe, my personal belief is that we're reaping what we sow. And I believe that expecting God to intervene and stop this or do something is foolishness. I feel as though we're a bit like Nero. Another story about Nero you may have heard is that while Rome was burning, Nero played the fiddle. Fiddling while Rome's burns, that's how it feels to me. I get anxious about it when I think about it too much. I feel overwhelmed, my mood gets low. And I look about for somebody to blame. Who's false us? Why don't they do, they do something about it? And I've got a list of folk to blame. If you, I mentioned some of them in my earlier list. You may have noticed. I, nobody that I talk to seems to notice us or care. And I don't understand. I don't understand. And it gets me done. A few weeks ago, I was moaning about it to my lovely wife. And she said something to help. She said, Davy, God is still God. He's still close. He's still involved in this planet. He's still involved in what's going on. He's not abandoned us. He's good. He's kind. He's mercy. He's love. Turn your focus on to God. Be still and know that I'm God. Was the words that I heard in amongst that. Coupled with the words of my wife, which says, moments are calm. When I'm still before God, I feel calm. And moments are calm can help us heal. They help us with the chaos of life that's run about us. Moments are calm help us when we feel overwhelmed. 
for these things that we can't control. The calm brings perspective, helps us bring some of that perspective, and it can lead us into taking some action when overwhelmed. The feeling of being overwhelmed can lead us into freezing to, to do nothing because everything's too much, too big. Can't I do anything at all? In fact, I'll just stay in my bed today. <laughs> I can do nothing. And just as Mark focuses the church on the wonders of Jesus to help them, I'm encouraging us this morning to focus on Jesus and his wonder to help you, to help us as a community to take the inspired action that, that we're being asked to do, that we're being led to do, that we're being constantly encouraged towards. I'm not saying we're not doing it, but there's an inspiration there to keep doing it. How do we keep doing this in light of everything that's going on around about us? There's only one way, <laughs> and it's Jesus. It's always the answer, isn't it? And the kind of action you take, that you choose to take, depends upon your unique personality, your unique set of skills, your unique situation, where you live, what you do, how you do it. So your action is unique. We don't. It's nothing to do with anything else or anyone else. You're a wonder, you're a miracle, you're unique. The wonder of God can inspire you in your unique way of reflecting that. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information on what's happening in the life of our church, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk.